0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of In the Fire. I'm joined by Justin and Thomas. Justin Thomas, how are y'all doing?
1: Good. Good? <laughs> I sound like am... a bad good, but <laughs> are you doing good, Justin? <laughs> <laughs> well, I am doing good. So, yeah, happy to be in the fire. Happy to be back. We took a week off because of exams. It was very nice, but well, good to be. So, or was it <laughs> just a oh. nice? <laughs> Sorry. it was
2: necessary
0: exams may not have been nice um, yeah definitely winded up a little bit for that last stretch of exams but now things are winding down and summer's approaching wound, so wound. wound up wound winded whatever <laughs> thanks Justin things wound up there for a while but they have wound down <laughs> and that's where we currently are. <laughs> Anything else to add before you guys? we want to get into it, Justin?
2: I don't think so. Good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, this episode, we're going to confront the prosperity gospel. Um, I know it's, I'm sure some of you, most of y'all are familiar with the term. I'm sure you all know what it is. Uh, But it's something that, you know, you see in the news every now and then. It's something that um, some people get a bad idea of Christianity on based off of hearing the prosperity gospel. Or some people people get
2: a really good idea of what they think it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they think it's a good idea.
0: (laughs) And that's what appeals to them. Uh, By the
2: way, it is definitely,
0: I think, deserves to be addressed um and that's what we're gonna do today we are going to address it good um yeah so i'll just start off asking you all how would you define the prosperity gospel or what do you what do you think of when you hear it
2: oh i think you think of a lot of things i think a lot of people would like to use it as like a buzzword kind of thing mm-hmm. two words maybe um and maybe some people use it as like an excuse. So I, I believe in this, but at least I'm not in the prosperity. Um, and good, don't get me wrong. But um, I think maybe, and I think, so I think that, thing that we're discussing it because I think a lot of people use it and, and say that they're against it, but really don't even know what it is. So, you know, maybe today will help. But really, I think it's just buying blessings that gives us to a worldly sense rather than a more eternal heaven.
1: Yeah, I think I'd echo that. It's like God will give you worldly possess- possessions and worldly blessings if you're good. It's kind of like act good, like be a good person and then you get good things. Um, yeah. Which is not what the Bible says. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I think like any lie to that point, like any Old adage, like a good lie, has the kernels of truth to it, and I think that's probably one tricky thing about the prosperity gospel. This stuff is that there are there are some kernels of truth hidden in there, but I think, like lies and deceptions, this it's been um, kind of twisted and perverted in a certain way that people don't get. What they really are, which is that yes, God will God blesses His children, but yeah, that's true, but people can pervert it in a way that it gives them what they want in this world. So it, they do that for their own selfish gain. They're either ignorant of God's word or they are willfully perverting it for their own selfish uh, reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, well, I don't like the proper
0: but I like what <laughs> you all said about that. Uh, I do think you know there, it's, it exists because there are some kernels of truth within it. As you guys both mentioned, one is that God does give us blessings in life. Um, it's not they're not guaranteed or something and stuff, but you know God does bless at some times in our lives, and to some people, uh, He'll bless us with certain gifts on Earth. But it's how you, I guess, treat those, uh, or uh, how you treat those, and what your relationship is with those gifts, uh, and how you ask for them or pray for them that can be really warped into a bad idea of what, you know, the gospel is all about and what God's gifts are all about. Uh, another kernel of truth is just that there are simple Bible verses that can be extracted without the proper context. Mm. And there are the actual Bible verses that exist in the Bible. Uh, so those are true, but the lacking the context and taking them and kind of perverting the definition for one's own, own gain or one's own uh, desire to define it as, uh, can also be, you know, seen as, you know, prosperity gospel. Having some sense of, uh, some, like, source base of truth, which is the Bible, but really missing the the entire point of these verses themselves.
2: Yeah, um, and I think along with, like, verses that can be taken out of the too, and, like, people, because there are people in the Bible who are, like, rich, you know, given riches. Um, I Think of Job as an example, like he has everything taken away from him. But then at the end of that book talked about this book before, but at the end of it, God, him, I don't know if it, I can't remember. It's a like double what he had before four times or seven times, something like that um, in terms of worldly possessions. But when you get to the heart of why that happens and how that happens, it's not God just him money to, be, <laughs> to bless him in this worldly sense. There's a, to it and i think that's true for a lot of what we're going to hit on today um you can't take even stories like that or specific people who get blessed in the bible you can't take that out of context Mm -hmm.
0: yeah exactly there and there are i mean there's plentiful amounts of stories plentiful numbers of stories and um and verses and parables etc that all point back to you know really the truth of what uh the gospel is about, which is not the prosperity gospel, but it takes some dissecting and really some, uh, some really analysis and deep thinking to really understand the truth of it. I guess, yeah, um, yeah. So my the definition I came up with for this for the prosperity gospel, uh, just in addition to what you guys did, is misappropriating scripture by using God or faith to obtain the same desires and wishes that you ha- once had before you were quote unquote saved or before you used God to get them. Um, and this goes, this is kind of tied up with a, a John Piper quote that I found when I was looking into this. And I think this, this kind of hits it spot on. So I want you guys to keep in mind this quote as we, you know, discuss the rest of uh, the these passages that we talk about today. So, here it is, millions of nominal Christians have never experienced a fundamental change in the foundation of their happiness. They haven't experienced it. They go to church for other reasons. Instead, they've absorbed the notion that becoming a Christian means turning to Jesus to get what you always wanted before you were born again. No change in what you want. No change in the bottom, the foundation of what thrills you from a new place. The baggage in the hotel room is the same. They just got a different bellhop. Emil stays the same, they just got a different butler. And they think they're Christian, and they really feel loved because he's producing. My life is going better. That's from John Piper. And I think, you know, that goes to the heart of part of it, which is the heart, in that um, if you're truly born again, you don't, and you understand the gospel and the word of God, you don't want, they're the same desires that you once had for, you know, wealth and health. And relationships and love and happiness and comfort, which will probably desires that every human wants um, before they're saved, you realize that if you are really saved, those desires get turned from, um, or they get, those that become your predominant desires once you're saved. And I think with the prosperity gospel, a lot of people who take that to heart um, really haven't had their hearts transformed, and they're just using God to get those same desires that they once had.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. way of <laughs> hmm
0: So with that, we can go ahead and get into it. Um, there is some, actually, I guess I wanted to talk about a little bit of the history of it beforehand. Um, I think, yeah, a lot of the prosperity gospel we see today was tied up in what was called the Word of Faith movement. And then also taken... Uh, into a greater scale by televangelism pastors at least some of them um not all televangelism pastors but some are like mega churches they might do that to try to uh extract or try to get a lot of tithes and offerings their way if they say that god will bless you with even more wealth in return um, that that's a a source of where the prosperity gospel comes from but honestly uh i was thinking you know even centuries ago with the sale of indulgences way back in you know, the age of, but right around when the Reformation happened. Um, that's sort of a similar transactional relationship where the church falsely wanted you to donate to them, and in return they'd say, oh, you'd save, or you'd get less time in purgatory or whatever that is. So uh, that's not the exact same thing as the prosperity gospel, but it's a similar idea that uh, that there's a transactional relationship that is, Uh, really false and that's what we're going to try to uh, debunk or shed shed light on today
2: yeah if anything it shows that you know people from for a long long time have been preoccupied with money and uh, material wealth and so and that's led to where we are now
0: yeah indeed it has Um, So we're going to pick up in Deuteronomy. Actually, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week a little bit. We're going to start off talking about some of the covenants in the Old Testament, which was our focus of discussion last week. So Deuteronomy 30. Um, Justin, do you want to read verses 1 through 10?
2: I can as soon as I get there, and I am there. All right now it shall come to pass when all these things come upon you the blessing and the curse which i have set before you and you call them to mind among all the nations where the lord your god drives you and you return to the lord your god and obey his voice according to all that i command you today you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul that the lord your god will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the lord your god has scattered you. if any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven From there, the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. The Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you. You will obey again the voice of the lord and do all his commandments which i command you today the lord your god will make you abound in all the work of your hand in the fruit of your body in the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your land for good the lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers if you obey the lord your god to keep his commandments and his statutes which are written in this book of the law and if you turn to the lord your god with all your heart and all your soul
0: all right, so and just as uh, a pretext here, for the all these verses that we look at, these are verses that could be misconstrued and that what some people may use as evidence or rationale for the prosperity gospel. But we're going to, again, provide that deeper context and really get into the truth of what these verses are saying and how they, in fact, prove the opposite of what the prosperity gospel is. Um, so this picks up in Deuteronomy. It's where Moses is renewing the covenant. He's giving a giant speech before he dies to the Israelites. That is the book of Deuteronomy, sort of renewing the covenant, the Mosaic covenant. And there's also um, parts of the strains of the Abraham, Abrahamic covenant in this as well um, before he dies. And it's right before they reach the promised land. So he's giving them this speech and it includes, again, the covenants between God and the Israelites, a topic which we touched on a lot. Uh, touched upon last week and these include certain laws that are given from god to humans for the israelites to obey and in return god says that he will be with them set them apart as a chosen people and bless them and while again these some of these verses can be misconstrued as material or earthly blessings when they mention blessings in these verses that we looked at here they don't point to a transactional relationship actually to obtain this prosperity gospel prosperity um, so yeah, the first thing I wanted to look at is verse, uh, yeah, verses 3, so it says, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and he will gather you from your people where the Lord your God has scattered you, and then verse 5, and the Lord your God will bring you into a land that your fathers possess, that you may possess it, and he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. So again, this is Again, combined with the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant, there's a lot of talks about God blessing his people, blessing the Israelites if they obey him. Um, but ultimately, I think these blessings are not material in that they include, A, both the destination of the promised land to come, which is the Israelites they're about to enter into as Mo- Moses is renewing this covenant with them. And then ultimately, righteousness by faith for the destination of heaven to come after the Israelites, after the promised land. Uh, which is where you know these covenants can be misconstrued. If you think about you know these blessings and sort of the uh, the gifts that God is promising to the Israelites if they obey, otherwise. But I think ultimately these blessings and gifts are the promised land and the ability to have righteousness
2: by faith and not any material blessings. And,
0: yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. Go ahead, Justin. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll let you finish um, if you had anything to add, but. Um... I think you are spot on with the idea that this is less about material prospering, which is present here. Uh, We see it in these verses, but again, I think it's less about that and more about a larger picture.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like the easiest way verses like these get construed is because uh, people are, reading it and they're like okay well god said this and then they do that and then he's gonna bless them and then so like that's gotta be how it works out for us but then if you're like well actually like why are they being blessed if you're like if you look into that question and then you'll find they're being blessed simply because god is showing his glory it's like the none of the blessings that god is giving the Israelites or giving to them actually glorify them aside from like, yeah, sure. They get, they get wealth and prosperous and numerous. Um, But that, that, but that is completely contingent on God because of their reliance on God. And so the blessing doesn't, and like comes along with like benefits to help them, but it's not for them. It's for the glorification of God, Um, which is, I think a big distinction in like, what the blessings are for, and who the blessings are for. They're for God, and then we just get something out of it. <laughs> exactly. I love that. And actually, so when I was reading this, I
2: kind of read it and with read it in a, a way that I hadn't thought I would going in. But so, like the material blessings that the people are getting here, which are true. You know, they do happen. This is why it's tempting to. To look at them as, as Thomas said, like something that's guaranteed because we see it happen, um, but God gives them. He promises them land, a lot of land. He promises them livestock, um, a future in terms of that they will have offspring, and will continue to grow. And I actually kind of read this from the perspective of like at this point, God is more or less building a nation, so all of that is gonna have to happen. Mm-hmm. And why is God building the nation? Well, it's to bring glory to himself. It's so that he can have his people set apart, which will ultimately glory him more than anything. And as a byproduct of that, as Thomas said, they're going to get these material bless blessings as they're necessary. If you're going to build a nation of people at this point, like he got to have that land, you know? Um, so I think it's just, that's just going to happen. And, um, but it's all pointing towards something greater.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Can I say something else real quick, Peter? Go for it. Awesome. Um, kind of going off that, I think. And like, like looking at like where Israel go- goes, eventually um, they turn apart, they turn away from God. They go after other gods and idols, and then the Babylonian exile comes, and then the events events of Daniel come, where you have in like the first six chapters every chapter once a chapter you have a foreign king proclaiming the greatness of Yahweh the the Jewish god the god of the Israelites and as as higher than every other god and so you have like Israel's yes. purpose in, like the way even, even in the when Israel rebels from God God is still able to show the nations of the world that he is powerful through mm-hmm. Israel which is really, really cool, and that he is the, all, the all-powerful one. Um, and so yeah. like that kind of ties into him building a nation for himself, and he's blessing that nation not for Israel, but for his own glory, which is really <laughs> cool. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, yeah, providing the Israelites with um, abundantly prosperous works of their hands and fruits of their room and fruits of their cattle and fruits of their ground, as verse 9 said, is done to build this nation and accomplish all those things that you said, Thomas. Not because the Israelites were perfect. In fact, a lot of their mistakes and um, disobedience to God ended up getting them exiled in the first place, uh, and uh, ended up with a lot of you know the tragedies and travesties that happened to them. But ultimately, it extended out you know God's glory to these nations who hadn't heard heard it before because um, because God had you know, planted those resources in the Israelites but not because of their their own the Israelites own work and in fact as Moses is saying this Moses knows in Deuteronomy that they <laughs> that his people are probably going to mess up again and in fact like they will be exiled again as well um, and so you know the basis of getting these the resource that they do is not because of their obedience but again they are chosen and, and set apart by by God, which is something I know we focused, talked about last week a lot, which is where the, you know, those covenants were the main purpose of those covenants in the first place. Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: I wanted to also read Galatians 3, uh, 7 through 9 and 14. This sort of touches on the Abrahamic covenant as well. So we'll pick up up there, verse 7. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the most of the faith. The, the man, the man of faith. And then verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. This again focuses on um, Abraham, and in fact, uh, I was reading an article by the Gospel Coalition, and they said they wrote that the Abrahamic covenant is the number one theological error or misappropriation of Scripture upon which the Prosperity Gospel relies. But I think we clarified just what you guys said previously here clarifies uh, really the truth of the Abrahamic covenant and that the ultimate blessing that started with Abraham is because Abraham was a man of faith. He was blessed with starting this nation that God provided resources for that ultimately could extend the ability to have righteousness by faith, not just for the Israelites and other nations of which Israel would impact, but also when the new covenant is formed through Christ, that we may all have ultimate ultimate righteousness by faith, and that is the ultimate blessing that God provides us with
2: so one of the the sentences in those verses you just read said all nations will be blessed through you as you being abraham and i think that extends to us now like and again it goes back to what we just talked about god's purpose and handing out these blessings is to bring glory to him and to let glory be shown all over the, to everyone in the world right so yes he's blessing israel at this point but it's so that israel can bring this others. They're blessed so that they can be a blessing on other people and we're the same way. If God gives us any sort of material wealth or you know, if we earn that in this world, I think we have to reorient our thinking not to the fact that it's because God gave it to us, but maybe it's because God gave it to us so that that's not the end of the story. It's he gave it to us so that we can use it for good.
1: Mm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Another thing real quick with these verses and what, with what's going on here in Deuteronomy is that the basis of obeying these laws is, is to see hearts transformed and not adhere to idolatry because Israelites are so idolatrous in the first place. There are so many examples, whether it's the golden calf as one or, or other examples that you may find. Um, a lot of the Israelites, you know, some of their big sins are putting false idols before God and which is a pillar of why the covenant was established in the first place, so that there are these laws that the Israelites could adhere here to. No, they're not going to be perfect, and yes, they kept messing up because you can't become righteous by the law alone. But much um, of Deuteronomy does focus on laws that, that are to help prevent putting false idols before God, and that contradicts the prosperity gospel in the first place, which uses God to get things we idolize before we are mm-hmm. saved. Um, so I guess, you know, at that, at that basis point there, you know, the prosperity gospel avoids the transformation of hearts, which is the impetus of these covenants um, to avoid idolatry.
1: I really like that point there. Almost like um, we use, like, the prosperity gospel uses God as a, as a means to an end to... Yes obtain what you truly see as God or like what you truly idolize. Yeah. Um, Which is interesting.
2: Yeah. That's a really good way. It's a really convicting way of looking at it, I think. Um, Because how often do we use God and this is not just for like money, but for a lot of different things. And I think the second that anyone like uses God as a means to an end uh, no matter what the end is, you don't want to use God to get there. It's like taking advantage of him and taking advantage of his word. And I think throughout, you see throughout history, like the Pharisees, and, but throughout history too, there are countless examples of people using God in order to get what they want, even if what they want is evil. And they can justify it by using God, you know, but that shouldn't be our mindset.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that calls back to, that quote I took from Piper earlier on and that you know he says instead they've absorbed the notion that becoming Christian means turning to Jesus to get what you always wanted before you were born again Um, so it really if you're using the prosperity gospel is your heart really changed to the point where you're not idolizing the things that you once were and you're not using God to get those things Um, and it's really you know I think it it does come down to where your heart is at and how that's transformed Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly that's what these the rest of these passages we're going to look at today focus on uh significantly or a great deal, and we're going to start with Psalm One. Uh So Thomas, would you like to read Psalm One?
1: I would love to read Psalm One. All right. Let me just get to Psalm One. Teach uh, to it. I'm already there. Mm. <laughs> I guess you're more righteous than I. That must be true. (laughs) There's no other... You can can get an award then. (laughs) right, here we go. The Psalms. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season and his leaf does not wither In all he does. He prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in ju- in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked, or, but the way of the wicked will perish. Thank you. Thomas. Thank you. Um, yeah, so the
0: the crux of this passage that I want to focus on is the end of verse three there, which is, and whatever he does, he shall prosper. Uh, so in all things, because mm. the Christian is righteous, they will prosper. And so what exactly does that look like? I think this is another way um, or another verse that could be misappropriated by those who adhere to the prosperity gospel, because does that mean by being able to prosper in all things that uh christians will eventually be given you know every good material thing that they wish for um that would seem very contradictory to what we just talked about uh, but the answer to that is obviously no and so what does this true prosperity look like for a christian In that when they are you know righteous and they meditate on god's word day and night as those first couple verses in psalms one mentioned that they are able to prosper in all things um yeah, so we get to focus on that. next, Unless you guys want to
1: have, want to say anything more about someone here. Or even like what is like prospering? Like what does prospering look like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you have like a general worldly view of, of prospering in that like, oh, yeah, you like make a lot of money, you have a lot of free time, like your money makes money for you, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. your time is very valuable. You usually have like a big house, a lot of comfort um, and then like that's like prospering and flourishing. You have a lot of friends, you, you do a lot of stuff, you have a lot of things and, but like what is it what is like spiritual prospering um, like what is what is meditating on like day and night like is that is the meditation itself like prospering you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, is drawing near to God and be just being closer and being more like Jesus and God. Like, is that what Christian prospering is? Um, it's, it's like the, the prosper here doesn't have to be exactly what we think it is. It, like it, it could be, it could, it could, like God could bless me with like great material wealth and like, Yeah, that that prospering, the spiritual prospering lines up with the worldly prospering. But then like I have a responsibility to use the blessing to then like for the kingdom. And sometimes like (laughs) I'm just going to have a revelation about God and like get no material thing from it. And like my spirit will be blessed and my mind will be blessed. And like that will be a form of spiritual prospering. That is that does not line up with worldly prospering, but it's still prospering, or it might still be the prospering spoken here, um, and so like yeah, I think I think you kind of touched on that a bit, but yeah, like what does it look like for yeah you know,
2: prosperity? I think you gotta ask what is prospering in God's point of view, in God's eyes, and that's what we should be thinking about. Because again, say say that He does bless a certain, you give someone a lot of money, gives in, with a lot of money. Well, I think then that person is going to have to ask like, what does this mean from God's point of view? And how can I look at it that way? Cause do you think God cares necessarily that uh, someone's <laughs> going to have a bunch of a million, a couple millions of dollars? No, because what's going to happen uh, at the end of days, we go to heaven. what's going to happen. That money's not going to matter. What's going to matter is, you know, what actually came out of it is it was actually used for good um, and that's how I think God would look at it um, like the the more eternal point of view is if he gives us something anything in this world whether it could be a talent you know something you, if you're a really good singer um, use it for good out there you know God's given it to you for a reason so just have to look at how it relates to that kind of eternal perspective that God sees things with. It yeah
0: yeah yeah ultimately this is god's definition of the word prosper that's used here in psalm and we have to figure out what exactly that looks like um you think about you know worldly prospering like you mentioned thomas there are so many definitions of it it's like you ask you people get asked the question oftentimes you know what does success look like to you and there i think that's sort of a similar question here And you think about you know the common answers uh you know Security, comfort—you know—have money, have a lot of uh, have money or make money early on, and then you know, retire early. Things like that. Spend a lot of time with family. I have all these fulfilling relationships. Uh, a lot of those things, you know, are gifts from God. But those are going to be different answers um, to each individual. Not every individual is going to have those things who prosper. Not every Christian is going to get the, what those worldly definitions of success are. Uh, but. Every Christian who is, you know, this man who's talked about in Psalm 1, who the Lord sees as righteous, uh, and then blesses this man who walks down the counsel of godly, uh doesn't stand in the path of sinners, but is in the law of the Lord and meditates day and night. That person, that Christian still prospers at all times in all that they do. So we have to, you know, really get down to what, what is that, what is that definition of prospering that God has looked like? Uh, and so... With that, I want to look at Romans 8, uh, a few sets of verses within here. I can go ahead and read 5 through 13, and I'll just read both of them, 5 through 13 and 28 through 37. So verse 5. In Romans 8, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot plead God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him... Who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if you if by the by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And then we'll fast forward to verses twenty-eight through thirty-seven. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those He justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will we not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long, we are to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Mm. All right, so those (laughs) that took longer to read than I was expecting. But (laughs) I think that touches both of those passages, touch on important stuff related to the prosperity gospel. Uh, The first ones uh, in Romans 8, verses 5 through 13, talked about people living according to the flesh. and I think that's important to note because going back to that question of you know what people's definition of success or what does it look like for someone to prosper? In an earthly sense of view, that can be you know having money, uh, health, uh, relationships, comfort, etc. And those who live according to the flesh, like God will still give a lot of those worldly prospering things to people who live in sin and are not saved. So because of that, I think we, we can debunk the idea that that is what prospering looks like and getting those things. Because ultimately you look at a lot of people who are not saved, find delight and they think they're prospering by getting those things. But ultimately they're living according to the flesh and, uh, are not living according to the spirit and don't have the blessings that talk are talked about in these verses of what living in the spirit looks like. Um, which is the spirit gives life because of righteousness, which again I think goes back to you know the gift of righteousness by faith that is established in the covenant uh, over time, and then the new covenant that
1: Christ provides mm. yeah yeah, absolutely, I think like you picked out two of like the core the core things of the Christian faith, but also of the dangers of the prosperity gospel. right And, um, and here we have like in, in the first passage's like uh, like give your life to Christ and then like he will raise you from the dead. Will, you'll will have eternal life and from this like tons of people have been saved and tons of people have come to know the true Christ. but like again if you if you pair that with the end, or the second passage, in which case, like, like, what? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And like, surely He will give us all the things of the world. You know, like th- that. Just being in the same chapter, <laughs> and yeah. like, and in the hands of somebody preaching the prosperity gospel, it is like, give your life to Christ, you will be saved, you will have eternal life. And not only that, you will get. All the things of the world, you will get, and like you will you will get the money for that next purchase. You will you will yada yada yada, and um, you will accumulate wealth, and you will be great, and you will be know people, and you will be known, and and it, it it's it's sad because like taken in context of the Bible, this is beautiful in that we have been called by God. We have been known by God. We are his children and uh, we are here for him to do his work. And in the other one, it is we are we we profess our our like, yes, we follow Christ. Now give me my cookie. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know? <laughs> I like that. And, and it's just and, and it's very dangerous because it's using like the language that is here and just like speaking like straight to you and say, Hey, like Christ is raised. You will be raised. Like you've been called, you've been justified, and you will be given the world. Like the world is yours to conquer. And it's not like, it, like the prosperity gospel leaves out all like who is doing the conquering. And that is Jesus. And it leaves out whose power, and it is jesus's power it is not for us and like we are not here for ourselves but we are here for god and i think a good way of pointing that out or finding that is does it sound selfish to you and if it does it's probably prosperity gospel <laughs> yeah <laughs> the i think self did not come from god
2: yeah i think these verses you know and thomas you talked about it there and he, gave me the thought and a lot of Romans actually, I think I feel like does this, like it puts us on this very even playing field with each other where everything that happens, every blessing we get, everything that comes to us is from God. And it's, it's God who saves and, and Christ who has redeemed us. And beyond that, we're all kind of, you know, without that, we're all just us, we're nothing, (laughs) you know, and it's, like all have sinned and fallen short. And I think one thing, the danger that the prosperity gospel brings is that it kind of subordinates and subjugates. People. Um, because a big part of it, and maybe the, the biggest theme of it is that the more faithful you are, would, this is what it preaches, the more faithful you are, the more riches you'll have in this world. And that is proof of your faith. When mm. I mean, you make more money, then you're more faithful, and people mm-hmm. start to look on you better and better, and start to look at others worse and worse. So it subjugates them, and that's completely the opposite of what the Bible tells us. I mean, like, if you look, then Jesus Himself uh, <laughs> would not be a faithful follower of God. Jesus had no money. When we were doing the miracle series, it was a short miracle, so I I didn't do it. I thought about just mentioning it. There's a miracle where they ask Jesus to pay a temple tax and he literally has to (laughs) pull a coin out of a fish's mouth. (laughs) because He he doesn't have the money on it. Um, That's one of my favorite
1: ones.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So it just, you know, I think a danger that the prosperity gospel has again is it, it takes people and puts them on a lower level. And what the Bible tells us is that we're all on the same level and Mm. we've been raised to God because of Jesus only. And the Mm. proof of that is not in our money. The proof of that should be in, you know, maybe what we do with any money we get, but just in who we are and what we show to the world. And that's like the fruits of the spirit. You look at the fruits of the spirit, money's not one of them.
1: (laughs) Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) That's
0: yeah, that's spot on, Justin. And you look at so this is not the fruit of the spirit, but going back to Psalm one, uh, the verse says, "He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that yes. brings forth its fruit those could be fruits of the spirit there in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither." Uh, so there, yeah, there are gifts that can be come from accepting, you know, that it's Christ alone. There's no proof of like money or whatever I need to that Shows my faith. No, it's literally having that faith in Christ alone. We're all on an even playing field. So when we have that faith, um, yeah, then we can see the fruits of the spirit, these spiritual prosperity uh, things, prosperous things grow in us. Um, and I, I really like, um, actually, the other thing you said, Justin, about <laughs> Jesus being rich. Uh, I wanted to bring up this verse at the end, I'll bring it up now, Second Corinthians 8. 9 says for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor that you through his poverty might become rich um, so that yeah totally contradicts the idea of, you know if you have great faith then you'll be rewarded with health and wealth um, because Jesus himself had all these heavenly riches that we can then access um, ourselves because he became poor uh, on earth because obviously Mm. <laughs> he obviously became more, someone who was poor on earth <laughs> that we might become rich and have the heavenly riches.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Another point where Psalm One ties into these verses here is I think verse thirty-four, where uh, it says, um, "Hold on, I need to pull this back up." Verse thirty-four. Uh, who then is the one who condemns no one, Christ? Uh, verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So that whole thing, all things, kind of reminds me of in Psalm 1-3 there, where it says uh, in the the Christian prospers in all ways. Um, these all, quote-unquote, being you know, the repetition of the word, all things relate to... Um, living faithfully and god equips us to be more than conquerors to prosper at all times it's not through and it's um not through receiving the opposite of what also is mentioned these roman verses which is trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword which would be you know the opposite of what the prosperity gospel tells you would get but by overcoming trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword when it does happen. So I think a good definition, probably not, I mean, not an all-encompassing definition of what God has for prospering, but I think in this context, part of the definition, if we can capture it, is being more than conquerors at all times, mm. in, in all ways, through trouble or hardship or persecution. And knowing that when that does happen, that's not uh, a punishment for not having faith, um, as well. Mm. Well said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I I like those verses a lot. Um, there's also a couple more passages I want to look at. I don't know if we'll get to them all, uh, but I do want to point out. Actually, yeah, we'll go on to another another passage in Psalm. Uh, David was obviously someone who. Who is you know is one of the, the main psalmists. Uh, and we've talked about David a lot before. We have an episode on him and we have an episode on the Psalms. I think those are those two separate episodes.
2: Uh yeah, um, and I actually think we have another we have at least two episodes on David alone.
0: Yeah, because he is <laughs> one of the most important characters in the Bible, but he's also so great to look at because he is someone who Experience experienced great wealth and success and being a king and leading an army, but also, if you read his psalm, yes, after his son. <laughs> um, mm. And you also will realize that he struggled a lot and was afflicted and suffered and had a lot of prosperous things taken from him as well. And the psalm is a reflection of all that. And so we're going to now look at the largest, what's the, the largest. Um, chapter, longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119.
1: This, um, this chapter is longer than some books of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> so, Thomas, I'll
0: have you start at verse one
1: and read all the way down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just kidding. We're um, going to be here for a while. <laughs> it's taken me 45 minutes that. to completely read through all of this before.
0: Yeah, I wonder if reading the whole thing would take longer than a normal episode
1: (laughs) we could probably do it in one episode (laughs) yeah probably Uh, But uh, if you have it up would you read 65 through 72 yeah I have it up alright it is 65 through 72 you have dealt well with your servant o lord according to your word teach me good judgment and knowledge for I believe your commandments before I was afflicted I went astray oh sorry sorry (laughs) Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart, I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling, like fat, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of pieces of gold and silver.
0: Yeah, so I really like this one as well because it talks about affliction in the same way Romans uh, 8 talked about trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. I think David experiences uh, several of these things at some point in his life. He experiences affliction, but his attitude towards affliction. Um, is anathema to what your attitude towards affliction would be like if you believe in the prosperity gospel. Here he in sort sort of invites it. He sees it as a good thing. Verse 67 uh, explicitly says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So before he had these hardships, he was uh, even a worse follower of God. But now he says, But now I keep your word after he has been afflicted. And he says, you know, after a discipline, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes, and then at the end, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Um, and so, I think you know this debunks the the motives or the interests that are tied up in the prosperity gospel here. Um, yeah, and I think you know David knows the the benefits of meditating on God's word day and night, and he knows that. Through those afflictions he has become a stronger christian and that he has become a more than conqueror because he has been equipped with prosperous weapons to fight uh, anything that happens on earth um and that's because he has meditated and keeps the word of god with him um yeah mm-hmm.
1: well said for sure yeah do you guys want to add anything there
2: uh, I like verse 70. My, my Bible says uh, their heart is as fat as a grease, but I don't like the law. <laughs> and I think, you know, I, one, one way that we can counteract this prosperity gospel kind of thinking is with humility. Um, hmm. We know our place and there's a difference between God, us getting tons of money because we deserve it and uh, us getting what we need because God provides. And for some people, they you will get more than other people. it's part of living in this world, you know? Um, and, but God will provide for us. And the Bible doesn't tell us like, um, because we're Christians, we're entitled to be Kings and, and everything like that we are entitled to riches and all these great things. But it, like the Bible tells us that we're like sheep. <laughs> we're like sheep to a shepherd, you know? And Jesus is our shepherd. God's God watches over us. He will provide for us. And I you know again, there's a difference and I think it's it's perfectly fine. And this is going off on a tangent here, that's not exactly really what we talked about. It's perfectly fine to think that like God will provide you with financial stability in certain um like if you give will willfully and happily to your church or to you know what if you keep if you give money you reap what you sow like god can provide for you or sheep our shepherd's not going to just let us drop but there's a difference between that and like um you know thinking we're entitled to money because yeah. we are following god mm. don't let your heart be as fat as grease <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah sort of in the way
0: you know like good works won't get you saved obeying god and following his word they won't um, it's not like a one-to-one thing where you'll get in return, you know, wealth it's not, it's not guaranteed. Yeah. We're not entitled to it. Um, and that's ultimately, um, I think where the prosperity gospel crosses the line. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I really like this episode. I think I think it was very good. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's we, a lot more uh, that could be said. <laughs> yeah, I know there's, there's a oh, lot, yes. lot more to unpack. There's a,
0: another passage in hebrews i wanted to focus on as well but that talks about um you know god bringing suffering or you know a removal of prosperous earthly prosperous or material things in your life as a sign of discipline not as a punishment for sin necessarily but as a way to strengthen your faith and again i think um we see in, in psalms here we see david uh he understands you know the nature and the benefit of being disciplined through affliction, because it brings you closer to, to God and strengthens your faith. Ultimately, when you are a follower of Christ and you are righteous in the sense that you have your heart, um, uh, you have a heart attuned towards God and His wishes and desires. Then, your desires that you had before you were saved, you do not use God to get those same desires afterwards, but you cherish the, the gifts. The greater gifts, the spiritual, heavenly gifts, and blessings that God provides, um, whether that's the fruits of the spirit or just having someone, a savior, a best friend, in God and Jesus with you at all times, that can give you, that can be that weapon for you to take on any, any suffering, anything that life may throw to you. That is um, what David, I think, understands, and several, several of these characters. Like Job, you mentioned earlier, Justin, um, that they understand, you know, the true, what it really means to, to prosper in God's eyes. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. With that, I can go ahead
2: and close this out in prayer. All right. Let's do it. Mm-hmm.
0: Here we are. Thank you for today and this opportunity to um, record another episode and so through that I hope we've gained a better understanding um, of the, the blessings and spiritual prosperity that we can access through you because of, of who you are and who you, and, and what you did by sending Christ into our lives that we may have you know a heavenly future and also the, the tools and uh, awesome resources available to us to um, persevere and come closer to you through whatever we go through on earth. Um, I pray that we all have great weeks ahead and that you would look over us in all that we do. In your name I pray, amen.
2: Amen.
0: Amen. All right. Justin. Mm-hmm. How can
2: you reach us?
0: Or how can our audience reach us? If
2: want to well, that answer. is an excellent question. And Peter, why don't you tell him? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will answer that by saying I think Thomas knows mm. <laughs>
1: and can provide the best answer <laughs> well you've come to the right place <laughs> there are a multitude of ways uh, and by multitude I mean two one we have an email fire at gmail.com that is the number three in the fire at gmail.com and then we have an Instagram that is in the fire podcast, right yep, yep, yep amazing easy enough. follow <laughs> us, dm us, email us um yeah we're here we're here to talk, we're here to to answer any questions you may have um if you have any ideas for like things you want us to cover, things you want us to talk about, no, toss us an answer we'll, uh, We we'll haven't, do it. we haven't gotten the request in a while um, so. Yeah, we've actually only had one.
2: (laughs) But we have done it. We're going to have ideas here if we keep making us three come up with what we're talking about.
1: (laughs) Who knows? Maybe one of these episodes is just going to be us talking about ideas for other episodes. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows what's in store? But if you want to know what's in store,
0: you can follow us. Um, follow us or if you want to manifest what's in store for us you can tell us what episode what topic of an episode you want And yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah you can also rate us on spotify or wherever you listen i think you can probably rate on those other platforms as well if you feel so inclined to give us a five-star rating
1: uh, if not then you don't have to rate us we want the perfect <laughs> five stars <laughs> which we uh we are holding strong right now. Stars, so uh
2: if you do not give us five stars, we will find you. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be the person <laughs> <laughs> We will call you out by name. <laughs>
0: all right, well guys, it's been a pleasure as always and we will talk to you all next episode. Goodbye. Bye.